This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Rutia, and we are here to preview the Temple game, Miami's first road trip of this 2023 season. It is a 3.30 kick, and the game will be televised on ESPN2. So let's start this podcast, Gabby, just with kind of a informal reminder of Miami's injury situations. Um, you know, last game, the Bethune-Cookman game, Mark Fletcher, the running back was held out. Nigel Kelly was held out. The defensive end, defensive tackle, Branson Dean held out. Akeem Mesador held out. Cameron Kitchens held out. Also... We'll throw Elijah Arroyo in that group as well. My sense, Gabby, and this isn't like me reporting or anything, just my personal expectations. I think of that bunch, maybe the most likely ones to potentially play would be the running back, Mark Fletcher, and defensive end, Nigel Kelly. I think Branson Dean might be borderline. I would, I personally view Akeem Mesador and Cam Kitchens as doubtful and Elijah Arroyo as doubtful. Um, if it were me, it's just me talking. If it were me, I'd, I'd hold all these guys out and, and get them ready to go for ACC play. Uh, just play it safe, go get healthy during the bye week and have as many healthy bodies available for the start of conference play as you can possibly have. I don't know if you have anything else to add on this front, Gabby. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't push a lot of those guys. Uh, I, I don't really think that there's a reason to, uh, you know, especially, I mean, the guy like Branson, I think if it's anything close to borderline, um, I would just err on the side of caution that, you know, again, I think you need to kind of get these guys rolling uh, for when you get Georgia Tech and North Carolina and you kind of go on that ACC run. I'm not super interested in, you know, potentially uh, elevating or, uh, you know, I don't know, re-injuring or whatever the case is, uh, aggravating 
any sort of yeah. injury in in a game like this. It seems like it's going to be wet, uh, rainy, and and cold. I mean, cold by our standards here in Miami or South Florida um, this weekend up in Philadelphia. So. Uh, again, if it's anything even close where if something's even still lingering and of course it's football, I think everyone's probably feeling something, but if it's something that could potentially hinder you, just I'd rather you just kind of s- sit back and, and and get healthy in this one, just because I feel like, uh, you know, Miami has a, an advantage in this game. So uh, yeah. just just make sure that these guys are healthy. I think that's the most important thing. We'll get into it, but I, I think Miami can still win comfortably without all of these players this week. So we'll get into it now. Temple talk. Um, we'll just kind of set the table for their personnel a little bit on both sides of the ball and a little bit on special teams. But let's start with quarterback Gabby. Temple's quarterback is the son of a pro football Hall of Famer, EJ Warner, the son of Kurt Warner. He was a true freshman starter for Temple last year. Threw for 3,028 yards with 18 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Led the country in production for true freshmen last year. So that's definitely something that catches your eye. So far this year, he has thrown for 760 yards with four touchdowns and two interceptions. I'll say both years, he's, he's averaged right about six and a half yards per attempt. To me, Gabby, just, you know, we both have watched... More Temple football than we should um, this week. <laughs> but the thing the thing that stands out about him and the stats, the advanced stats kind of back it up. He is a guy that gets the ball out quick. I think he not only has a, a fairly quick release for the college level, he also identifies where to go with the ball quickly. Yeah. So he kind of has mastered, not mastered, but he, he runs a ball control, quick passing game type of offense. What impresses you about him? Yeah, I think he's, I think he just knows where to go with the football. Obviously, I I think he's limited physically. Like, I don't think he's like, you know, just the greatest, just overall quarterback, but you can tell he's smart and well coached. And again, I think he understands what kind of like the game plan is and what to do. I think he understands just like where his, you know, team is limited. Um, And I think he, I think he uses like that quick pass release, you know, just because I think that that's the most efficient way that they can kind of run that offense is by, you know, making those quick reads and getting the ball to where it needs to be. I don't think he's always, you know, on the money. I think he can kind of be right. uh, erratic at or just like, you know, inaccurate and not always. There's times where he makes really good throws, but he's he kind of has his ups and downs. Uh, again, I, I think he's limited, but I think he's smart and I think he understands uh, where to go with the football. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think, again, he's a quality, you know, group of five quarterback who's, again, could be a four-year starter probably at Temple. And, you know, who knows what that ends up leading for him. But again, I'm not like, I don't like he is a son of, of Kurt Warner, which is obviously really cool. Um, but again, I think you see where the limitations are, but you also see where he kind of runs things effectively. And that's by getting the ball out quickly and kind of putting it where it needs to to be in a hurry. Yeah, I think so. You look at pro football focus, um, they track like how quickly these guys get the ball out. Right. And according to them, Warner ranks fourth in the country in average time to throw amongst quarterbacks with at least a hundred dropbacks. He's at 2.39 seconds per throw. And uh, they at pro football focus, they kind of put the line of demarcation in terms of, are you getting the ball out quickly or not at two and a half seconds? And on 69% of his dropbacks this year, he is getting it out quicker 
than two and a half seconds, which is the second second highest rate in the country in that regard. And I think this style, it is best for this Temple team because sure. it it helps eliminate sacks. Like yeah. you, we'll talk about the row line later, but yeah. they have not allowed. I think they've only allowed one sack on the year, which on paper looks good, but I don't think they have a good offensive line. No. And so <laughs> getting the ball out quick helps cover up that. And of course it puts the receivers in position to make plays in the quick game. I don't think the receiver bunch is a downfield wide receiver threat type of group. So, um, you know, I think this is the best. And also to the run games, a little bit of a question mark. So this is a way to control the ball and work the passing game, et cetera. My, my question, Gabby, from a Miami standpoint, when it comes to, to defending EJ Warner, that I, that I think is interesting. And, and I don't know the answer to this. And I don't know if it really even matters because I think Miami's just going to be able to overwhelm them with talent. Yeah. But I am curious what their approach is going to be in terms of like blitzing him because I will say when he is blitzed, he is better than when he's not blitzed. Uh, he's completing 58% of his passes against the blitz for an average of 9.8 yards per attempt. He's totaled two touchdowns when he's not blitzed. He's completing 40% of his passes this year while averaging 4.6 yards per attempt. He's thrown two touchdowns and two picks when not blitz. So, you know, in general, I think you want to speed up the the process for most quarterbacks, and Miami certainly did that against uh, Connor Wegman in Texas A&M. Miami certainly did that against Brett Gabbert, Miami of Ohio. I think that's who Miami's just going to be on defense this year, period. I'm curious, though, if they're going to do it as much against a team like uh, Temple and EJ Warner because he does have the capability to somewhat burn you when you do blitz. To me, it's it's one of those situations where maybe you hold off on those blitzes until third and long situations. Um, and, and, you know, look, we've talked about already about how their offensive line isn't that good. I think you can get home a lot with four against this yeah. O-line. Uh, on first and second down. I'm just curious in general how they're going to approach that uh, in terms of being ultra aggressive, like enforcing the issue, like we saw against Texas A&M. Yeah, I, I do think that we're probably going to still see some of those like blitz packages just because yes. I think that's just it's who, who they Lance, are. Yeah, it's who they are. Yeah, and, and I think that's where my mind kind of goes with that. And I do agree. I think you can get home with four guys. I mean, their left tackle um has like a 12.4 pass blocking grade uh, according to pro football yeah. folks i think as a group they've allowed like 23 pressures and i think i, I it was like zero or one sack like it was very little sacks uh that they've actually allowed but again i think it's because and that's what i was kind of speaking to about you know ej warner is just like he almost has to get rid of the ball quickly because if he doesn't he's going to get swallowed so they're allowing pressures like people are generating pressures on temple they're just not getting home because of how quickly warner's getting rid of it so yeah i mean i think miami's absolutely going to be able to you know do what they kind of want to do with four guys and I, I for sure i think they're going to overwhelm them with talent regardless of what like the whole defensive game plan is and i think if i mean for lance gidry if i 
know what I think I know about them. I think it's just going to be, we're going to play our style. We're going to do what yeah. like, we need to work on some things. And I think Miami's just going to throw, you know, what they are doing, maybe what they're wanting to kind of continue to work on at them. Uh, just knowing that probably whatever they're going to do, wh- whatever they're going to do is, is, is going to work just because of the significant, I think, talent gap. Um, but yeah, I think if we're trying to match up like strategically, and if you're really concerned about some it's of these interesting receivers, to monitor. I yeah, for sure. Great. And Definitely. I think too, I would rank Warner third of the FBS quarterbacks they've played against Definitely. this year, right? Like he's not as good as Gabbard. He's not no. as good as Wegman. So um, just something to, you know, game within the game to keep an eye on uh, from a Miami standpoint. Yeah. I also think Temple's just like the third of the three FBS teams that they play. Yeah. Like just from they like are. overall like talent standpoint. Receivers. What are our, what are our thoughts on the receiver group? You know, they don't really scare me. Again, this yeah. is kind of like it's a ball control-ish passing offense. Their top receiver, Dante Wright, is a 5'9 outside receiver. He comes from Colorado State. He does have 1,800 career receiving yards. Um, this year he has 1,600, or sorry, 16 receptions for 185 yards. Um, Ahmad Anderson is a slot receiver transfer in from Purdue. He's got 180 yards to his name. Zay Bain, 6'2 outside receiver. And David Martin Robinson is a six-year tight end that has just over 100 yards. So overall, how would you characterize this this wide receiver group? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the, the guys that they go to typically, uh, you mentioned Wright and um, and Anderson. I mean, both smaller guys. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you see a, a lot of like that big size downfield threat, kind of like what you're alluding to earlier. It seems like these guys, these are guys that are running kind of, you know, quick little quick little routes, just trying to move the chains again there. I don't think they're going to beat you explosively or anything like that. So um, I think that's kind of who they are. I think, again, I think they're physically limited. Um, I don't think they're extremely explosive. I think these are kind of like possession receivers who are kind of just going to, you know, make their catches and, and, and kind of, you know, drop, um, you know, especially when there's an opponent like Miami, I, I'm not super concerned about this group. They're like with Miami of Ohio, I think we both said like that gauge Laverdine, like that guy kind of instilled a little bit of fear just because of what he's mm-hmm. kind of done and how twitchy he is. I don't know if they have that even, I don't even think those slot receivers, those smaller guys are even all that twitched up. So, um, you know, I think they got some movement, but I think Laverdine is even better than any of the guys here that we, that we're going to see at temple by a good portion. So I, I'm not super concerned about the receiver room and especially with the way that Miami's secondary has been playing, uh, I think that they have a, a pretty steep advantage there. And Temple run the ball. The run game to me is going to be an interesting, interesting game within the game because it doesn't seem like they are a good running team, but they have a true freshman that's kind of coming on a little bit here against Norfolk State, who they played last week, uh, ran for 142 yards and one touchdown. Also caught a 15-yard touchdown pass. He did run for 45 yards on nine carries in late game work against Rutgers. He's a smaller guy, 5'8", about 180 or so. Um, And he's from Tampa Jesuit. So he is an intriguing guy, but uh, I don't know. Temple (laughs) overall has not been very good at running the ball at all, but you know, they want to because Stan Drayton is an old running backs coach. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, the running backs, I mean, I think the, the young kid, obviously, I, I think he, he was good again against Norfolk state and again, got some touches against Rutgers. Um, again, I, I'm just not expecting that to be like where temple kind of, you know, controls the game or anything like that. I just, again, I think this is a guy that's also kind of physically limited. He's young. He's a freshman playing, playing running back as a freshman is, is hard. Uh, especially when you kind of run into a, a physical team where you know you're going to, again, if you're going to be on the field, you have to be able to pass protect in uh, to a certain extent. Again, obviously we know we, they get their ball out of there quickly, but uh, again, I'm not overly concerned uh, by the running back room at Temple. Uh, it didn't look to be super strong, again, uh, you know, again, ru- against Rutgers, just overall as a group, um, you know, it didn't seem like that was necessarily their strong suit and Rutgers I don't consider to be a, I mean, they're, I think they're a respectable big 10 program, but I think they're still not that good. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't really think too highly of, you know, really what Temple's kind of doing offensively, uh, as far as, you know, from a Miami standpoint, where it's just like, I'm concerned about that. Yeah. To me, it's, it's a question of, are you going to be somewhat of a threat? And really they have not had much of a rushing threat at all outside of that Norfolk state game, which again, FCS opponent, they kind of did what they're supposed to do against an FCS opponent. So we'll see what how that translates uh, against Miami. I will say, when they get inside the ten, they kind of they go to an, an, some interesting looks at quarterback yeah. at sometimes with Quincy Patterson, the old Virginia Tech quarterback, uh, also North Dakota State quarterback. He's kind of a battering ram uh, runner. 6'3", 240, they bring him in and run some power looks with him. He has run for three rushing touchdowns on the year, which leads Temple to this point. So, And he's done that in his career. For his career, he has run for 16 touchdowns So at the FBS level. So uh, he is a guy that can get it done in those looks. So that's something to keep an eye out for as well. Um how about the offensive line? You know, we've talked about how Temple's only allowed one sack on the year, but that's largely a function of how they get the ball out quickly in the past game. You mentioned, which is which is right, starting five offensive line has allowed 23 pressures. You know, just to put that in perspective, by comparison, Miami starting 5-0 line has allowed 14 pressures on the year. Um, I will say EJ Warner has not been... S- He's been sacked only once this year, but he has been hit. Quarterback hits is something pro football focus tracks. He's been hit seven times on the year. And by comparison, from a Miami perspective, Tyler Van Dyke, outside of the sacks he's taken, he's been hit twice. Um, and I will say this, you you mentioned their starting left tackle, Luke Watson, He's struggling, and I think the reason why he is struggling, he's a true freshman. So he's a true freshman starter at left tackle, taking his lump, still figuring things out, kind of listed at, I think, like 6'5", 275, 280. Um, so they're kind of just throwing him in the deep end and, and seeing how he can keep his head above water. Overall, though, I don't know if, you know, I think if you're looking at this group and saying, oh, they've only allowed one sack on the year, I think that is fool's gold. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think that I think they're like that number, the sack number is just a product of the way the offense is kind of being run. Uh, you know, again, I, I think that this is an offensive line that Miami should be able to kind of handle. Like, I don't think that this is 
uh, I, I think this uh, opportunities like this, and that's why I say like, you know, if Nigel e. Kelly's not a hundred percent, if Branson Dean's not a hundred percent, like just let these guys just kind of, you know, sit this one out. Like, I, I, I think it'd be a good opportunity. And I'm not saying that like, you know, this is a game where you just kind of empty the bench or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm not talking about it that way. Um, but I do think it's a, it, it's a great like Ruben Bain game. Like, I think it's a great mm-hmm. game for, for even like maybe like someone like Jaden Wayne, who's kind of coming along and, you know, still young, but kind of seems to be taking some next steps. Uh, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for him to kind of get on the field and, and see how he kind of works, uh, you know, maybe in, in a role like that. So, you know, I, and I think those guys can handle it. Like, I don't think that those guys are going to set Miami back just because again, I think those guys are one talented and two, um, you know, I'm not super, you know, again, overly concerned about what this offensive line can do. And even on, uh, you know, along the interior, like Miami has enough at defensive tackle where it's just like, let's not force feed Brant to Dean. Like, you know, if he's not where he kind of needs to be, especially with, uh, you know, ACC conference play uh, just around the corner. And that's a nonstop slate. Like you're going ACC play and you're going ACC play all the way through. Like I'd rather make sure that my guys are, are good there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Temple offensive line, uh, you know, is not earth shattering. Uh, and Miami's defensive line should be able to, you know, give them plenty of, of business here on on Saturday. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at Torres Lionel one, the number one at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids' selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. How about Temple's defense? I'll say this to me. I think they're decent in terms of their ability to run. Um, 
I think they have good speed. They're they're maybe not the biggest defense, particularly up front, like on the line of scrimmage. And I I don't know about their defensive tackles because they are a banged up group right now. But I do think everywhere else they got some speed to them. DeWan Black, who is yeah. former Florida Gator, transferred to Temple. He definitely stands out when you watch Temple. He's got some juice to him. Um, I would say he's the best player on their team in terms of NFL draft prospects. He definitely moves like an NFL guy, uh, and, and he can get off the he can get after the passer as an outside linebacker. Jordan McGee is a good player to me for that level, kind of an athletic middle linebacker for that level. You know, maybe this is crazy. I don't know. He he could be like a KJ Cloyd type, right? If he played at the power five level to me. Taiwan Francis is a in-the-box safety transfer from Colorado that has 200 tackles in his career at the college level. Jalen McMurray, 5'11", six-foot corner on the outside. That's pretty good for that level. Kamar Wilcoxon is another Florida transfer on Temple's roster. He plays in the nickel. So anything stand out to you in particular about their defense and something you're monitoring from a Miami standpoint? Yeah, I mean, the three names that I wrote down on their defense were Jalen McMurray, Taiwan Francis, and Dewan Black. Uh, you know, Dewan Black, I think he's he's definitely a guy that kind of pops out on tape uh, just because of, he again, like I would agree, he's definitely probably the most impactful uh, defender on that Temple defense, just kind of watching through some of those games. And then, you know, I think, uh, you know, what his PFF stuff kind of supports that, 11 pressures, uh, eight quarterback hurries, um, you know, through three games. And it, it does seem like he's de- he's absolutely one of the more talented guys. And um, both of those, both of those guys in the secondary, Jalen McMurray, Taiwan Francis have, I think I've done a good job there for them in the secondary. Um, just, and just from a Miami fan standpoint, I think, uh, you know, I think many probably know this by now, but Alan Hay, the former Miami hurricane, mm-hmm. uh, is playing pretty significant stats, uh, snaps for temple uh, at defensive tackle, which again, I think we kind of know what Alan Hay, just him kind of being here. And I think the fact that he's, you know, one of their primary interior defensive linemen, I think again, kind of tells the story of the state of that kind of position group right now. And I, again, I think that that should instill some confidence. And again, I'm not, and that's not me trying to like bash Alan Hay. Like he's a young guy who, you know, I think still has plenty of development ahead of him and all those things, but still like that, I don't think that he's at a place of his at his, in his career where he should be kind of like spearheading a defensive tackle room so um i think that that's uh you know one spot where i think uh, miami has has an advantage but yeah i mean dewan black i think is a guy off the edge uh who i think is is miami's gonna have to kind of they're gonna have to kind of like track him down know where he's kind of blitzing from and and things like that one thing that that is worth monitoring with their defensive front you mentioned alan hay he's been a three-game starter for them the other defensive tackle for the first two games was drew quavion mahone uh he did not play against Norfolk State due to injury, but he is a guy that definitely will elevate that group if he's able to play. The drop-off is significant if he's not able to play. He's a 6'4", 300-pound defensive tackle that started his college career at Kentucky. Uh, he's transferred to Temple, been there for a few years now, but in game one, again, it's it's against Akron, but still, this number pops. He had eight quarterback pressures in game one against Akron from the interior. So his health will be worth monitoring. If he is not a go this week, it's probably going to be a long day for that Temple 
defensive front. Uh, special teams, nothing dynamic to speak on in the return phase to me. Gabby uh, Wright, their wide receiver, Dante Wright, kind of handles their punts, does a solid job, six yards per return. Uh, kickoff return, I think they're averaging like 17 yards per return. So nothing notable there. Camden Price, former Hurricane, yeah. is their field goal kicker. He's gotten three of five on field goals last year. He went 13 of 14 on field goals for Temple. So he's doing a solid job there. Punter Dante Atten is averaging 38.9 yards per punt this season. Um, let's go big picture. And let's just talk biggest strength to you that Temple brings and biggest weakness. Let's go biggest strength. Where Where do you start with Temple? Yeah, I I think I mean I think some of those guys in the secondary are are, are talented. Um, you know the the Jalen McMurray, um, and Taiwan Francis. I think those two are are two big time dudes on that. I mean for them, I think those are two of their best players on the defense. So I think they're secondary. Um, again, I think there's talent there. Uh, but I do think their ability to kind of just even just get to the quarterback and and create pressure and sacks. Um, you know, there's I think they have four different guys on the team that have sacks. Two of them that have a pair of sacks to this point. Um, they have been able to kind of generate pressures. Uh, they have over 20, pre- I mean, uh, way more than 20, they have 52 pressures um, as a team uh, to this point of the season. So I think that they're able to kind of get back there. Uh, so I think those that's probably where I think Temple's strongest, their ability to kind of get to the quarterback and cause a little bit of disruption there. And then some of those guys in the secondary, I would say. And then EJ Warner is just a quarterback who can kind of manage a game for them. And I think that he's a, again, I think he's a solid quarterback. So I think that's probably where I would think Temple's best at this point. I agree. On both sides of the ball, it's it's passing game on offense, pass defense on that side of the ball. The success rate, which is, you know, are they staying ahead of the the chains on a down-to-down basis? Uh, when when they're passing the ball, Temple does rank 29th in the country in that regard. They're, again, they're not overly explosive, but they are able to move the ball somewhat efficiently uh, when they pass the ball like that. Biggest weakness, I think it's fair to say just run, you know, the opposite, right, on both yeah. sides. You look at their success rate, uh, offensively and defensively, they are 130 in rushing offense success rate in the country, and they are also 130 in rushing defense success rate. So, big issue both sides of the ball for Temple, uh, running the ball and stopping the run. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, I agree that that on both, like on that side, that's definitely both of those things. And again, I still think the pass protection is is really bad too. But again, let, let's see how much yeah. that matters if you're there and they're getting rid of the ball quickly. But I do think that the pass rush is still their ability to pass protect. I mean, is still yes very iffy. Yes. All right, let's take a break, and then on the other side, we'll discuss what we want to see and what we're thinking from a Miami standpoint going into this game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. All right, Gabby, before we jump into our thoughts on this game from a Miami standpoint, uh, we've been hyping up this fun video game simulator uh, situation here for college football fans. Remind the people where to go, what the game's called, what it is all about. Yeah, absolutely, guys. You guys should jump on this. It's Football Coach College Dynasty. It's available exclusively on the PC and on Steam for a very good price of $11.99. A really cool college management game uh, where you can kind of be a coach. You can create all the game plans, call the plays, recruit. You can develop your team, compete for national championships, all the fun things that we love about the sport and also even some of the more modern aspects of it, like conference realignment and school boosters. You can use official visits for the recruits. There's the transfer portals in there, and you can even decide how you want to allocate your NIL resources. So that's football coach colon college dynasty Uh, has a 95% positive rating on steam. So people are definitely loving the game. I'm getting good positive feedback from some people who are checking it out. And I would absolutely encourage everyone else to do the same. It's, it's definitely a fun way to spend some of your downtime. If you're a big college football fan. All right, good stuff. Go check out that game. All right, let's dive into things from a Miami hurricane standpoint going into temple and let's let's just have a informal kind of conversation about three things we want to see from the game gabby i'll let you have the floor first what is something you want to see in this game yeah i think first uh you know it's just to me it's just kind of like baseline is just dominate a lesser opponent like you know just i think that this is a game that miami and you know we've talked about it already but i think this is a game that Miami should really just have the edge, a significant edge in virtually every aspect of this game. And uh, this is Miami's first time going out on the road. Uh, we've talked about kind of the the environment a little bit with it's It's going to be definitely a different climate than we're used to here in South Florida. Just go on the road, handle business the way that you're supposed to handle it. Uh, you know, I don't I think that this Miami team, uh, you know, has the opportunity to just kind of go in there and do what they need to do. Uh, so I want to see them just go in there and just totally 100% handle business. Um, I think that that's probably that's one of the things I kind of want to see most. Uh, and then I guess just on the field, uh, I just want to kind of continue to watch that. I, I think this is a great game for I think this is a great opportunity for the running game to kind of get rolling uh, for guys like Henry Parrish, uh, maybe Mark Fletcher, if he's ready to go. If not, that's fine. Uh, I do think this could be kind of a Henry Parrish game, but AJ Allen and even a guy like Don Chaney, I think that this could be an opportunity um, for them to get going. And then again, for me, it's just maybe uh, let's see how some of those younger, uh, you know, specifically some of those younger defensive linemen come along like Ruben Bain. I I think he's kind of starting to kind of, you know, maybe turn the corner 
Uh, and I think Jaden Wayne has an opportunity to potentially have a, a, a good game, a good game as well. So I want to see some of maybe some of these younger uh, players just continue to get uh, reps and kind of just continue to grow into their roles. Riley Williams is another one who I would kind of throw into that. Mm-hmm. And then even guy like Francis Malagoa, like how, you know, handling, you know, a situation where, you know, you might get a, a quality pass rusher coming out at you in Dewan Black uh, from time to time. So I want to see those guys just kind of continue to elevate. Yeah, I know for me, you know, similar lines with you in terms of the the performance showing up ready to go. So no sleepy performance at the start of the game. You know, I think on paper, this is a game that Miami should feel pretty comfortable with going into halftime. The game should be put away at the end of the third. And look, this is just about like, are you real or are you not real? Because real teams come out and handle business early and put the game away and fourth quarter is time for backups. Uh, And to this point, I think Miami has passed every test with flying colors through the first three games. Uh, Things have looked like they're supposed to look. If you're a serious team in a serious program, now it's time to do it on the road against a lesser opponent. Like you were saying, Gabby, I've been, I've been impressed by the approach of this team to this point. Um, you know, they came out, started fast against Miami of Ohio, put them away early. Texas A&M faced a little bit of adversity early, but definitely put them away, you know, midway through the third uh, and, and kept them at bay there. Um, really, clearly the better team against Texas A&M for the final three quarters. And uh, and then, of course, Bethune just handled business. So, uh, you know, you, you should... You should respect every opponent on your schedule. And to me, the way you show that respect is you go out and play your best game. And that means you dominate a lesser opponent. Uh, When Miami does that, they're going to win a lot of games. Another thing I want to see, Gabby, and maybe this is nitpicky, I'll admit it, but I do think it's important for this young player to keep taking steps, uh, in a positive direction. I want to see Francis Malinoa start to take the next, yeah. take a leap in pass protection. Yeah. Um, he's, he's allowed eight pressures on the season to this point, which is by far the most of any of the offensive linemen. And look, I don't think he's playing bad necessarily, but he does need to clean some things up. And I think each week he is getting a little better. He improved from Miami of Ohio to Texas A&M. And then, of course, he improved from Texas A&M to Bethune. I just want to see him have a clean performance. And honestly, I do think uh, Temple's going to give him some work. Uh, For sure. They have smaller, quicker speed rushers. And that's going to give a guy like Francis some trouble at times because he is a big dude at 6'6", 340. It's hard to redirect. Now, he is athletic enough to do that. Um, to me, it's more of a technique thing than it is like a straight up athleticism thing with him, but I would be highly encouraged if Francis, and I think he will, it's going to click for him eventually this season. I would be highly encouraged if it shows like it clicks against temple going into the bye week and you have that confidence going into ACC play. So that's something I want to see from Francis. And then your point on running the ball, I think is spot on. I'll, I'll take it a step further. I want to see a hundred yard rusher. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't really care, honestly, who it is. Uh, but I want to see someone 
start. You know, it's been a it's been a by committee situation to this point, which I think is fine. And I think to a certain extent, it's going to be that way this year in general. But I do, I kind of would like to see at least one guy maybe separate from the pack as the guy that's like, okay, that's the guy that's going to get maybe 15 carries a game rather than everyone's getting nine or 10. You know what I mean? So I think the opportunity to have a hundred yard rusher this week is on the table. Anything yeah, you I, want to talk about there? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, again, just kind of going through the numbers, like uh, Rutgers ran for 254 yards on them, had a, again, I think they're not going by committee, but their primary rusher um, had 28 carries for 165 yards. So yeah, I think that's a, it's a very reasonable expectation that Miami has a guy who kind of takes that. And I think we've seen it with the receivers. What was it last year? I think Colby young was the only receiver on the roster to have a hundred yard game. And now I think since then uh, Xavier Restrepo has hit it. I don't remember. I don't think Jacoby George has hit it, but like, I think we need to start seeing that from the running backs too. Like we need to see a running back kind of have that, that performance where it's just like, yeah, yeah you can kind of do all this stuff. I I think we'll see it. I'm I'm optimistic that we'll see it depending on how the rotation is. But I think that, that that's going to be one of like, I guess that's one of my hotter takes of of the day. I think, I think it's definitely on the table. If one of those guys pops a 30 to 40 yard run, you know, that's, that's the thing that's kind of been missing. They've been fairly explosive on the ground. That hasn't been an issue. It's just that really explosive run maybe has been missing. Um, how about a matchup we like most in this game from a Miami standpoint? I think there's a lot of ways to go. For sure. Which way would you go? Yeah, I mean, what I wrote down, but I, I guess it's kind of just hammering with this whole same point. It's just like the running backs versus the front seven. Like, I do think that just like on t- like and just watching through some of these games, uh, especially watching that Rucker games, that Rutgers game to me it was just obvious that uh, Miami's going to be able to kind of win at the line of scrimmage. Um, and I think, especially even in between the tackles, like I, I still think that like it's an opportunity for Miami's running backs to just have a very good game, uh, you know, doing that type of stuff too. So that was again, I, I, maybe I should have pivoted after we talked about oh. it so much. But for me, it's the running backs, like I like the running yeah. backs versus that defensive line, the defensive tackles, and that front seven because I do think that they're going to be able to have a, a really strong game there. Yeah, I agree. I think Miami's O line should be able to lean on their front during the course of the game. Here's at least against Norfolk State. Uh, this was the starting four defensive lineman for Temple. Trey Thomas, 6'4, 225 defensive end. Conlin Green, 6'4, 280 defensive tackle. I think he's a freshman. I don't know if he's a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, but he's a freshman. Uh, Alan Hay. 62305 and uh Daiwan Black who doesn't really start but he's basically their their big time pass rusher. He's a 63230 defensive end slash outside linebacker. Uh again, we will see if Jerquavian Mahone plays a defensive tackle. That's the guy that started his career at Kentucky. If he is able to go, that does that's a boost for them. Uh but it doesn't really change my opinion that Miami Zoline in general, should be able to control the line of scrimmage in this game. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. 
If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text STAR directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to STAR, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661. Attention business owners, I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. ERCLawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. How about a a matchup maybe that not worries us, but you're keeping an eye on from a Miami standpoint in this Temple game? Yeah, I think I might be cheating here, but I'm just, I'm going environmental, man. I'm going the rain and the cold versus Miami. Like, just like, how are they going to handle the change of, you know, again, it's going to be wet and it's going to be cold. And just like, again, I feel like historically, not saying this team, but like, I feel like those kind of circumstances has kind of caused some slow starts or just some like, you know, issues for Miami. I mean, they've been training in like, obviously the, this bitter heat and how that kind of change kind of goes. Cause I mean, I really do feel like everywhere I'm looking on the field, I'm just like, I'm trying to find something where it's just like, yeah, I know they're talented here, but I still feel like Miami's kind of like, I, I don't see anything where I'm just like, this concerns me too much. Maybe it could be pass rush versus like a guy like Francis Malagoa. How are you going to answer that? Or like if they have their cornerback, you know, like a good cornerback, like, you know, all that stuff. But to me, it's just like, I think the only way Miami kind of struggles in this game is if they struggle themselves. And to me, like, again, I just want to see how they kind of handle the, you know, again, the expected rain and the lower temps. Yeah. I think at, at kickoff, they're expecting it to be like 62 degrees with like a 70% chance of rain. So it is looking like a gross day um, in Philadelphia that day. I, I honestly think it's like the East Coast is, you know, going to have some interesting weather for late September. So I agree. That's something to keep an eye on. For me, it's it's what you touched on. But again, I don't know if it's like a significant, significant issue um, because there are ways to mitigate a pass rush like this with tight ends, chipping, et cetera, et cetera, helping the offensive tackles. But I do think Daiwan Black can give Miami's offensive tackles and both of them, quite frankly, some issues in pass protection because his get off is impressive. He does have really nice quickness. He does have some bend to him around the edge. I just think he is a tough matchup for the type of offensive tackles Miami has this year. And I'm not criticizing them because I think they are good offensive tackles, but Jalen Rivers and Francis Maui Noah are bigger bodied offensive tackles that kind of win with power. And, you know, those undersized, super quick edge rushers 
are the type of defensive ends that will give them the most fits, I think. Um, on the flip side of that, though, as we've said, um, Miami's offensive tackles should should have no issues in the run game. So that's where it's like if you're able to establish the run and just frustrate those little defensive ends and, and um, you know beat them up during the course of the game, it does mitigate the ability to fire off the ball and pass rush as the game wears on, right? So, but if I'm going to pick one thing, that's number 34. I think Dawan Black is number 34 for Temple. He's one to keep an eye on with his pass rush. How about a player that needs to step up? Yeah, for me, it's again, it's not even like in this game. It's more just like in general. Like I, I, I think Colby Young is a guy who needs to kind of, you know, and for me, it's just like clean up some of the, like you're so close to kind of being like, Mm -hmm kind of like the guy but like let's clean up the drops let's clean up the fumbles um you know let's clean up like those little things like ha- like put put together a complete game and go into the bye week you know like on, on a high note like being confident in the way that you're kind of bringing in the ball seeing it through and and, and again just kind of taking those next steps because i really feel like he's on the cusp of just like being like a very you know potential like threat but you need to do all those little things and i want to see colby young just really and again i'm not even saying like go, go for 150 yards or whatever just uh you know make a catch take a hit and you know kind of take it with you to the ground all that type of stuff so colby young is probably the guy that i i really just most want to see step up right now i think I'll i know cheat. where you're gonna go with it i'll cheat and i'll go too so okay. We've mentioned how I want to see a running back go for a hundred. Yeah. I want to see AJ Allen be that guy. So yeah, let's okay. see. I'm really encouraged by AJ Allen. Um, I just think there's something there. I don't know. Specials kind of overstating it, but I do like his vision and I do like his quickness. I think he can be a nice productive little back for Miami. And I think it'd be great if he went and ran out, ran for a hundred against temple the other one I'll say, we haven't really talked about it much, but, you know, I think it's fair to expect Cam Kitchens to not play. Yeah. And if he does not play, I think Jaden Harris has got to be the guy. And For sure. He was solid against Bethune-Cookman, but, of course, this is a different animal uh, playing against an FBS opponent. And so Jaden Harris just needs to keep stepping up and, and doing his job. So I would assume Temple will try to test him a little bit and – uh you know, I think it's going to be important for him to be up for the task. Yeah. And I think we could say Francis. It sounds like, you know, we can also say Francis Malgo is probably someone who needs to step up. Francis, right. Yeah, just just want him to keep progressing as a young player. He's playing yeah. well. He's playing really well in the context of a true freshman. Um, but once you get into ACC play, we can't look at you as a true freshman anymore. You got to be ready to go. So, no and I think he's he's progressing to that point. So. Uh, I'm not like trying to be too hard on Francis. I don't think he's like a big issue. It's just nitpicking. Um, potential player of the game, who you got? Yeah, kind of along similar lines to what you're thinking with AJ Allen. I went with Henry Parrish, uh, just because again, I think he's I think he's gotten a you know definitely a fair share of opportunities, and I mm-hmm. think that I think that this could be a game where you know he he has a a strong game. Like I think that this could be a good. So, uh, a running back AJ Allen could fit this too yeah. you know Henry Parrish I think is someone that's too again I don't really know what we're going to see from Mark Fletcher but to me it's a Henry Parrish type that you know I think he could have a really really a really good game um you know so that's that's who I wrote down just kind of going through everything I'm going to go with Kiko Maui Noah linebacker that. shut down the run make Temple one-dimensional 
pressure the quarterback on blitz opportunities, clean up the short passing game, you know, because they do kind of dink and dunk with regularity. I think he could have a big game in terms of tackles. So I will go Kiko Maui Noah. Love that. Sportsline projection over unders. These are starting to catch up uh, in terms of... In terms of projecting like Tyler Van Dyke. I feel like it was like easy. It was easy money early in the year. Yeah. So for this game, they are projecting Tyler Van Dyke for 297 passing yards. Would you take the over or under for that? I'm actually, I'm actually going to take the under. And that's just because I'm not like totally convinced he's going to play four quarters. And I'm also... Yep. I'm also uh, I, the weather. And also, again, I think that this could be a good running back game. So I'm going to take under 297. I would too. I would say like maybe a nice 250 ish type of game. Two, you know? 250, 265 ish. Like that's kind of like the range I'm thinking. I think it, to, the way I feel about it, though, is if the weather wasn't so gross, I do think the over would be on the table. For sure. Um, Henry Parrish, 53 yards. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I think, yeah, I'm going over just based on everything else I've said to this point. I, I think, I think he's going to have a good game. I'll say over two. Would you go over a hundred for Henry? Dang, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, but like, I think I would, I, I think like if it got to like 72, 73, like that's where I would start being like, oh, okay. Like I would probably, I feel like 53 is an easy over for me yeah. personally. EJ Warner, they have at 212 passing yards. That's kind of a that's kind of a lot. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go under, uh, just because again, I think obviously different circumstances, but again, we're factoring the weather. And I think uh Gabbert had like one something. I don't think he's gonna throw for 220, 212 on Miami. I just again I then I I just don't see it. I would take the under as well. That the only thing that gives me some hesitation there is the garbage time yards. You yeah, know, okay. like that makes sense just throwing the ball to get back into the game. You never know how that's going to go. Right. Um, but I would probably take the under. And this one I made up myself just because I think it's interesting because Temple has allowed one sack this right. whole season. I set it over under of two and a half sacks for Miami in this game. Yeah, I don't know. That one got me. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go, go under. You're going to go over. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go, go under. Over. Okay, okay. That's, I hope you're right. It'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. I think they'll be able to get home. Betting lines. Last I looked from Caesar Sportsbook, Miami was a 23 and a half point favorite. And the over under for the game is at 48 and a half. So let's start with 23 and a half. Which side of that bet would you land on, Gabby? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely take Miami. Um I'll take Miami with the to cover, you know, yeah, to cover 23 and a half. I think that they're going to win by well more. I think they could definitely win by more than that. I would not bet Miami to cover that. Ooh. Okay. And I'll, I'll get into why, but uh, yeah, it's close, but yeah. Uh, and then over under which one, which side of that would you fall on? I'm also going to take the over there. Like I, I think that, I don't know. I think Miami could have a, you know, a nice little day on the scoreboard. I'm not saying Miami's going to clear that by themselves, but I think it'll all work itself out to to land over. I will say under. Ooh, okay, let's do it. Score prediction. You want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I got I got Miami 41, Temple 10. 
uh, you know, again, I think that this is going to be, uh, I think Miami's going to cruise. I'm hoping, well, I, I, I think it looks like, seems to me like Miami's going to cruise. And, uh, I think, again, I think 41 is kind of like where they've been around. I think that they've, you know, been high thirties. I think Miami, Ohio, they're 30, 38. Uh, I think 41 is again, where they're, where they might land on, but when, it, when it's all said and done, just in that range. And again, Temple, I don't know how much they're going to score or move the ball, but like, I thought about like maybe garbage time touchdown. Um, and I kind of threw them a score, like a, a trip to the end zone in there. And again, I think that that, that pushes me to over the 48 and a half. And I think well over the, the 23 and a half line. So that that's what I'm rolling with. So I'm going to go Miami 34 temple 13. Okay. I would predict a wider margin if Miami wasn't dealing with the, the little bit of injuries that they're dealing with, because look, I, I think they're going to be fine, but you take away camp kitchens, you take away a Mesador, you take away uh, Branson Dean, you take, you potentially take away Nigel Lee Kelly. You potentially take away, um, Mark Fletcher. Those are some guys that, you know, I do think it matters. Um, you know, if we're going to compare them, if we're going to compare the Temple score to the Miami of Ohio score, to me, that's a significant difference there. Um, and also to the weather. You've touched on the weather. I do think the weather being gross kind of makes things a little closer. And I wrote this down. It's funny. You said 41 to 10. I did say, in my little write-up, a fully healthy Miami and good weather, I would probably predict a 41 to 10 type of game. So we're along the same lines, I think. Um, we'll see how it all goes. Bottom line is I think it'll be a comfortable win. Hopefully Miami stays healthy going into the bye uh, and ready for ACC play. Lots of good football. Lots of good college football this oh, yeah. weekend Definitely. on deck. Excellent slate of games. And... Uh, Let's see how Miami handles business. 3.30 kick, ESPN2 at Temple in Philadelphia. So should be a fun one. And uh, we will definitely have plenty of content and instant reactions following that game. So appreciate everyone for listening. And until next time, take care.